sometimes people come to the USET conference and they see something that we're doing and they probably are, I hope they're kind of wondering, how did they come up with some of those ideas or where did that come from, especially when they're successful? And a lot of those come from being part of this affiliate network. So we we try and be an active partner, meaning that we want to listen to other people's ideas and we want to share some of our ideas so that we can hopefully change the landscape of what's going on in this space. We talk about all things Utah education and technology. I'm Kara Bettis, currently serving as the president-elect for the USET board and your host of the USET podcast. You can always find me on Twitter at kbettis, especially on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. for Utah Chat. Side note, we only have a couple of chats left in this school year, so make sure to join us Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. The last chat is May 24th, and then we will return the first Wednesday after Labor Day in September. Throughout this year for the USET podcast, we've been talking with different coalition partners that USET works with to hear about the work that they do and how they interact with USET's mission. For this episode specifically, as one of the last ones for this season, we return to the guests from the beginning of this season. So Matt Winters and Jared Covelli are back in the studio. Matt is a senior technology trainer at UEN and the current USET president. And he is an ISTE community leader. We'll get into that more what that means in the episode. Jared Covelli is a longtime USET board member. He was a past USET president, and he's our current ISTE affiliate rep on the USET board. I'm excited to get into the conversation with them today about technology and education, both internationally, like at conferences like ISTE, and more locally, like our conference at USET. everybody. We started out the year with both of you as guests, so I'm very excited to kind of bookend the year by having you back on. So thanks for coming back, guys. I think every year should end with Matt and me together. We can make that happen. <laughs> I think we could do that. Nice to be back. Thanks. Yeah, happy to be here. So this episode will focus on the upcoming ISTE conference in Philadelphia happening in June and the role that USET plays as an affiliate member. So at the beginning of the year, I asked you guys to be on the podcast because you play different roles on the USEP board. So Jared, you're kind of like the coalition captain. Is that what the word we came up with? Like you help manage like the different people that we work with, the different partners. I try and bring people together. Yeah, that's a great way of phrasing it. And then Matt, I invited on because he is, is and will be the USEP president. For better or for worse. Forever. <laughs> We're still using the board president, right? Not dictator, dictator. not strong man, not <laughs> authoritarian regime. Yeah. I'm just going to nod to that, yes. <laughs> that is worth a nod, yeah. <laughs> but the reason why I asked you back for this one is because, Matt, you do something really interesting with ISTE, or you have the state. And then, Jared, you also function as, like, the ISTE affiliate captain, call it. Sure. So why don't we start by introducing yourself just real quick. We all know each other, but to our audience. Introduce yourself and your role on the board, and then kind of touch on what your connection to ISTE is. So, hello, everyone out there. This is Jared Covilli again. I'm on the, I've been on the USEP board for about 15 years-ish. And for the last several years, I've been filling the role as the ISTE affiliate rep, which means that I attend, I don't know if it's probably quarterly meetings with ISTE, but as part of that means Utah is represented in the, in the national planning for different things like elements of the conference and just how they help us with our conference as well. So it's been a good partnership for us for the whole time I've been on the boards. 
Okay, wonderful. And Matt, what's your connection? So I'm Matt from UEN. So I'm I'm the USEP president. And I do a lot of stuff with our SC affiliate here in the state, trying to get us really good speakers and running the conference and helping with ed camps and things like that. As far as what I'm doing with ISTE this year is I'm part of the ISTE community leaders group and I'm their editor for their community leaders podcast. So I help record that, edit that every month. The episodes just started actually last week and we're going to, we're already banked about half a season, about six or eight episodes that'll go throughout the summer and into next year. And the hosts are these great ladies, Jessica Pack and Georgia Trelahi from Palm Springs Unified School District shout out to them they're fantastic human beings and great to work with so i'm doing some stuff with them as well as i'll, I'll have a, a couple surprises i'm presenting a bunch of sessions at ISTE. i think it's either six or eight at this point and i'm going to be doing some other activities so it's, i'm very excited that's wonderful so for the people who aren't as familiar what is ISTE? so i mean if we just define the acronym it stands for international society of technology and education so, I mean, ISTE has been around a long time. Like the first time that I actually encountered the organization, it's been a few years. It started out being called NECC, and I think it was National Educational Computing Conference. So it kind of focused on the conference back then, and they had the ISTE standards back then. So like it was NECC featuring the ISTE standards. And so those standards have been around for a long time. That's been something that the organization had, but also it's kind of been trumped up throughout just all education, right, is being national kind of technology standards. So somewhere in there, they changed their their acronym and made the conference called ISTE. The reality is I think they're going to change it again sometime soon because they merged last year with ASCD. So I think that the two companies coming together, the two organizations coming together, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a new acronym. But the idea behind it is that this is kind of a national organization or international organization that focuses on good skills for integrating technology into the classroom. And whether that's a kindergarten classroom all the way up through a postgraduate level, high school, college, postdoc, whatever you want to call it. So it goes all over the world and involves affiliates in most of the states across the U.S., of which USET, Utah Coalition for Educational Technology, has been a part for a long time. Yeah, I, I I think one of the, like all of that, plus I think they're, they're always forward thinking. Yeah. Like that's one of the things that I've always loved about ISTE and why I continually rep them is like, for instance, right now we're having this national conversation in education about artificial intelligence and educated mm-hmm. to the proliferation of artificial intelligence since chat GPT in November or December. And I remember going to presentations on artificial intelligence at ISTE in 2019. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing conversations about it in 2017, 2018. They've had a AI discussion group since then or before that. And so it's, they know what's coming there. They keep an idea, an eye on what is happening in educational technology and what different ideas are going to be big over the next few years and, and give space to a diverse group of people to speak to the needs those new technologies bring to the table for education. And that's been a big part of what I think ISTE does really well is really supporting educators in the future of technology and applying that technology, but then also providing a diverse cast of voices to, to speak to that as well. They've, they've been really good at putting themselves out there about emerging technologies. I've had some misses. Don't get me wrong. Like I remember, Gosh, probably a decade ago, one of their keynotes was presenting from Second Life. Like they, they kind of went all in on what is Second Life, Jared? Exactly. That's my point. (laughs) Listening audience, if you don't know what Second Life is, there's a great episode of The Office where Dwight has his avatar in Second Life. I I digress. (laughs) But it was kind of this idea that we're not only going to go online and do classes remotely, but we're going to be doing it with kind of avatars for ourselves, right? And we're going to live in a virtual classroom where it's not just the content is virtual, but even the people are virtual and their interactions. So it was a social world. Think of the Sims. Yeah. But for education, right? But Second Life was bigger than just education, but ISTE kind of went in on it. So they, like Matt said, they've been very forward thinking and sometimes the technology, the schools and that don't catch up. 
you know, but that's where the world's still going. Well, and it, like no one has 2024 sight. Like you can't. Yeah, no like, crystal ball. Out there. Yeah, you can't just be like, oh, I know this is going to be a winner. But I think keeping a broader horizon, though, is really helpful and seeing like, oh, this is a trend that I'm seeing. This is where I kind of think it will go and helping teachers anticipate those changes as well. Right. So instead of being reactionary, teachers can be innovative and forward thinking. Well, it's that idea that we can't predict what's going to happen, but we can kind of see the, the, the trends. And so like with COVID, you know, the 2020, year school year, you could have predicted that you'd need an LMS, yeah. that you'd need digital technology to support students. Might have only been for a snow day or for like a catastrophic incident, but then all of a sudden it was the prediction came true. We do need these things. And so it's interesting to see where like, you know, second life, maybe it's not, it wasn't the next decade, but another 10 years, yeah, another 20 years, you never know. And that's one of the things that I think is really interesting is that they keep playing into this hand of what's the new thing? How can we use it? What's the predict, what predictions can we make about it? And then maybe or may not it might come true it might come true in 20 years we don't know one thing i'm noticing i'm looking at matt's laptop and he's got stickers that represent a lot of the different companies that are involved in education and one of the things that i would say is the part of why they can make some of these projections of where things are going is they partner with a lot of the leading companies google's and the microsoft's and the adobe's and these kind of companies when you start to see where they're headed, mm -hmm. you know, education will be a little bit behind that curve, but they're going to follow it because that's where everybody's headed. So it's nice that we have organizations like an ISTE that can kind of be the voice for education with those companies mm -hmm. so that they're, that we're represented at the table. Well, it's a very symbiotic relationship, right? Like these companies need people to buy their product and education is responsible for creating the workers that those companies will need in the future as well, right? And so it's like, we'll buy your products and prepare future workers if we have a good working relationship. I mean, that's the ideal, right? I mean, you have Apple started that model a long time ago, giving computers to schools. They knew that that would train a whole generation of people to want to use their computers. We see that all the time with software. Google's been free for a long time. Now there's a whole generation of people that are very comfortable with Google, the Google suite. Right. But also like, yes. And this idea of, if you look at the ISTE standards for students and teachers, it doesn't point to a specific product. That's right. Yeah. And so even though they, they do partner with these groups, they are partner, they are tool agnostic in how they present these things and it's just skills. And so what's great in my mind about that is that we don't have to focus on a particular product in a presentation or, or seeing a particular tool in kind of a future forecast, what it is is let's prepare students with the skills they need to survive in a technological space. And that's, I think, really powerful is that we're looking at teaching kids the skills to prepare themselves to actually be part of working society of yeah. adults. And I think that's a, a, a much bigger get. So if you haven't checked out the ISTE standards for students or for teachers, check those out there. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at them right now and they don't use anything. None, nothing mentions a tool. It mentions be a designer, be a collaborator. They do mention a lot of yoga. <laughs> well, they want you to be very flexible. Yeah. <laughs> they don't realize that the IT crowd is generally not terribly flexible. Flex, physically flex, flexible. Oh, yes. <laughs> like technologically, they can make a lot of different things happen. But you ask them to do Warrior pose, you may be talking to the wrong person. I mean, warrior pose is one of the easier ones. So, Jared, you mentioned earlier that you are are the affiliate rep for ISTE. Why have an affiliate network? How does that work? What, why would someone want to be a part of that? So I'll kind of share what we get out of it, mm -hmm. right? Because I always want to think like, sometimes people come to the USET conference and they see something that we're doing and they probably are. I hope they're kind of wondering, how did they come up with some of those ideas or where did that come from, especially when they're successful? And a lot of those come from being part of this affiliate network. So we we try and be an active partner, meaning that we want to listen to other people's ideas and we want to share some of our ideas so that we can hopefully change the landscape of what's going on in this space 
across the country and across the world, to be honest with you. And I think, so for me, that's been huge because think about most of these organizations. So these state affiliates or these, you know, international affiliates, they're doing similar things, right? We're all trying to get technology into classrooms. A lot of us do that through communicating with teachers and the ways that we all communicate aren't that different, but maybe somebody's got a new idea of how to do it, how they're reaching out to the audience in a better way that gets more interest. Most of them have a conference, you know, a local conference where they're sharing these ideas. So we're all kind of doing the same stuff. It really helps to have partners where you can learn from somebody who's maybe done something before, or maybe has a new way of looking at something, a problem that you experience. Cause I mean, everybody's got to have this, has similar ideas about how do we have 2000 people converge in a space and make it so it's meaningful for everybody, whether it's a combination of virtual classes and in-person classes and all these kinds of things that we deal with. So the network has been huge for us to help with some of those ideas. Plus just to have like-minded people across the world that are all in this, all in the space together. I'll say from my experience, so last year I was able to attend the affiliate meeting, pre-meeting before ISTE because of my role as the president-elect of the USET board. And it was really interesting because beforehand I had obviously no clue what it was, but everyone was like, oh, you should go to this thing. You should go to this thing. I was like, hey. And I went and I was like, you're right. Like being able to talk to someone in Minnesota or Kentucky or Vermont and to see what obstacles they're facing, but also some celebrations that they've had. Like that is, it was so mind opening for me and it helped me see Utah and the work that USET is doing in a much larger context, right? Because before I was, I just knew what I knew, which was our board and our conference, but seeing it in a larger context was really helpful and saying like, oh, like we can have these bigger conversations because we're part of this network, because we have these connections to, like you said, like-minded people and just like bouncing ideas off of each other and being like, oh, I would love to try that, you know, send me this resource or this is what we found to be really helpful. What's interesting, Utah's, this education system is really interesting. We have really big districts and other states have very, like they have smaller districts. And so kind of balancing those frameworks I think is also a really interesting task. Let me, let me cut that, Matt. One more comment that I'll make about this, because I think this is one of those examples. So there are a lot of times where we think in Utah that we're a small player because we're not a big state. And even though we have a lot of students, we're, you know, we're just a small state, relatively speaking. But when you come to a place like this, it validates some of the things that we've done, because even though we may be small in numbers, we've been a big player in the ed tech world for a while. And some of the things that we're doing and that you see Utah doing just in this space are new to some places. So I say that saying we have things that we can bring to the table to share. But at the same time, I'll give an example. As organizations like you set grow or shrink, depending on demographics, you always kind of wonder like, how are you going to stay relevant? How do you, how do you help more people become part of this world? How do you utilize the people that are part of your world? And I heard two or three ideas of things that were amazing to consider. And I know not everybody in the audience cares about something like this, but as we transition presidents about every two years in our conference, right? And so you have this group of people that has a really strong background in this and can be really helpful. But sometimes they kind of go off into the sunset, right? As far as the organization goes. We heard one organization talk about how they created a council of what they called their past presidents to almost be like an advisory board. And so that doesn't sound like a big deal, but we're not currently doing that. And we have 40 years of these past presidents that could be influential in what we do. And so little ideas like that kind of can help us improve our practice and what we're doing. Yeah. Matt, thinking of the the ISTE conference, and I know you also go to a lot of other national conferences, what does a big national conference afford classroom teachers? Like, why, why should an average Joe teacher attend something like ISTE? 
so I've shout out to Stephanie Howell, who's an educator, ISTE community leader and an educator from Ohio. I was talking to her yesterday about this and she said some stuff that like really hit the nail on the head. And one of the things that she re- reiterated and I'll, I'll 100% agree with her is that going to a national conference takes the people that you follow on social media or you see their work and put you, puts you in the same room with them. And so you can sit down and have hopefully a conversation with them or bump into them and you can say, express a, how much you appreciate their work, but then also ask the questions that are driving you to understand their work. So like being able to, you know, walk up to Eric Kurtz and, you know, we brought him to Utah this last year for, for ISD 20 or sorry, you said 23, but I had a chance to talk to him a few years ago at ISD and at FETC and ISD again, and, and being able to like, just say hello and talk to him and say, I really love your work. Here's how we're using it in Utah, but also for him to express back, I've been paying attention to your work. And I think your work is really interesting is, is, is really like a, it's a good boost, but then also you realize that you're not just alone in the, the world. Like what you just said, Jared, like Utah, we get a bad rep as a flyover state a lot of times yeah. in, the, in the United States, as, as do Wyoming and Idaho and a lot of other states in the region. But we're doing, each state is doing something unique and interesting and engaging. And some people are willing to share that out, but it's not always a requirement in the classroom to do that. And so if you go to a giant conference like ISTE that has 25,000 people at it and these big name conference people, and then on top of that, these ed tech companies, it all of a sudden puts it in a framework of, oh, I could do this. I could join this. I could have a, a larger platform if I'm willing to put the work in. So I think Stephanie brought that up and was, was really, really like, it's a great point because I remember going to my first ISTE in 2018 in Chicago, I think it was. Did you go to Chicago? I did not. Yeah. I think that was my first year. And I, I went and I, I was completely open-minded, ran everywhere. And then by the end of the conference, I hadn't, I didn't have any presentations by the end of the conference. I was presenting in one of the playgrounds right. because of people I had met. And Margaret, who, Margaret Atkinson, who's over the community leaders at ISTE, she brought me in that year because she wanted me to podcast at the Global Leaders Conference or Playground. And it was fantastic. And I really had a great time doing it. And so you don't know what kind of opportunities you're going to get. You don't know how you're going to build things. So I think that's one thing. And I just got to throw throw down, Jared, you probably had this experience. You had this last year, probably for the first time going into an expo hall, the size that ISTE has the first time is like getting hit with a brick (laughs) and that kind of the, the depth of what is available in educational technology beyond your big names like Google and Apple and yeah. Microsoft and things like that, seeing the smaller companies. Like last year I was talking to a couple of educators from Utah and they had never seen a merge cube. And I was like, this is awesome. They get to see that in action or being introduced to Tinkercad for the first time or, or things that are really smaller that gives you that extra oomph as a teacher to try new things and hopefully work with your district to develop new norms for what is available in educational technology in your schools. Well, and I think building off of what you said, like, allows teachers to explore like passion projects and to bring something that they really care about into the classroom. And then it allows students that freedom to explore passion projects. I think like anytime you can get a teacher to try something new or to share something that they care about, like it just, it creates a lot of potential in a classroom. And I think going to something like ISTE, like you said, like there's a lot of potential out there and teachers can find something new or something that they are like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm going to try that. What did they then take back is kind of exponential in, in the potential. Jared, last year we had a big contingent of Jordan District teachers attending ISTE in, in New Orleans. What were some of your tips to the teachers to get the most out of a big conference like ISTE? Give me just one sec. I want to go back to what you just commented on because I think there's something important here. So we talked a moment ago about how ISTE helps statewide affiliates, right? To connect with each other and do that. But what you guys are talking about is how individuals connect with each. And one of the things that I think sometimes I don't use enough of, but ISTE has a whole collection of these learning communities that are specific to, you just mentioned passion projects Mm -hmm. or ideas in education that you're passionate about. It's not about a specific tool, but it's about an idea, right? And so there, ISTE is one of the best places to get involved in a learning community 
surrounding this world of educational technology because you can join an, a learning community and be connected to educators from across the world who are interested in the same thing that you are. And that's something that sometimes is hard to find those connections. You know, you can find them through social media sometimes, but to, to know that there's a group specifically looking at AR, VR, right? And that's something that you're into. So you can go and do that. Like, that's super cool that you can find these communities very quickly. And I'm, I'm going to add on to that because I think it's important to note too, and this isn't just an ISTE thing. I think it's a national like going to any national conference for education that touches on the things that you're interested in, it makes the challenges that you face individually in the classroom global. And I, I just, I, I think about one of my first Utah conferences. So this is a local conference, went to UCT and we had a great speaker who talked from, she was a teacher of the year from Iowa. She talked about how she had to figure out how to make connections to support herself and her ideas outside of her building um, mm. through social media because she didn't feel like she had a community in her building. And I went and talked to her and I, I, I was experiencing some of those problems as well. And I, mm. and that opened up some doors and, or like, for instance, to our last year, 2023, 2022, mm. when I went to South by Southwest, I was really struggling with and still struggle with. And I think a lot of teachers struggle with this right now, the idea of book challenges and book bannings and saw Carolyn Foote speak at South by Southwest EDU and was able to bring her back as a guest for another podcast here in Utah. And that, that kind of work where you can see national figures slash, you know, just classroom teachers presenting on the same thing you struggle with makes you realize that you're not alone and that there's a larger community that you could rely on to have connections and ways to solve the problems that you're facing. So Yeah. And like in our audience, I mean, we have, we have such a diversity within our state, of rural communities and mm -hmm. urban communities. Well, suburban communities, we don't have too much urban sprawl, but anyway, that's another question. But still, it's kind of that idea. Like if you were somebody in Tintic, you know, you're in, you're in Tintic school district you could connect with people talking about the same things that you're interested in where you might not be able to find that within your building. And the, the, I'm singling out a kind of a rural district, but Matt was in Weber district, right? And still sometimes you feel like you're the only person in the building that's thinking about this stuff. And so that's the power of being part of a larger movement or a larger organization. It's that idea of, of what Ken Robinson talks about of professional development isn't a cost, it's an investment. That's right. And we often as teachers look at this idea of like, I have to pay sometimes out of pocket for my way to get to one of these conferences. I, I don't hesitate now to do that because even if it's out of my own pocket, I know the value I'm going to get for that experience is going to way outweigh in the long run what I'm doing with the money now. <laughs> that makes sense. So I'm not advocating every teacher needs to go out and spend all their own money trying to go to grants and things like that, but go. Sounds like Matt's willing to fund a few of you if you want to go someplace. With I, wish, I wish. I wish. I wish I had that. Kind of, I wish I had Bill Gates money. Teachers <laughs> to conferences. Yeah. Like going back to that question, though, like when a teacher does make it to a big conference, like if they have support of admin or some grant money from the district, what's a way that they can get the most out of the conference? Do you know a couple of things that I would always tell anyone when they're going to a conference where there are a lot of options? Spend some time in the program before you go. So target, like, what are some of the things that you're looking to try next year? Whether it's a, in ed tech, it could be a tool, right? So it could be a software or something that you want to spend more time with. So you can filter the conference program to see which sessions are being offered that look like they might help you learn more about that tool or that, you know, that idea. And so that's a huge one. And I don't think enough people do that sometimes, like, I know sometimes I do that for a little bit and then I get to the conference and I say, oh, well, I'll just stay in this general area. Because once you get into a conference center, you realize how big it is. Yeah, you don't want to move. And sometimes you don't want to walk all the way across to the other. Have, have an idea of some of the things that you want to spend time with. I would also say if you're fortunate enough to go with a team of people, share that idea with who you're with. Like, become a network yourself so that you can divide and conquer because that's a huge deal for you is to be able to share your ideas with others. 
don't be afraid. Like, and with that in mind, like if you do go with a team, don't be afraid to go alone. Yeah. Like there's, there's, it's okay to say, yeah, I'm not in, like, I'm going to go over to this session. I'm maybe not interested in that. And to break away from the group a little bit, go do a session that you're really excited about. You be you. Yeah. I, I, I remember I, one of the first conferences I went to nationally as an educator, cause I had gone to conferences in, in other realms was South by Southwest. And I found this session that was dungeons and dragons for teachers and i went that sounds cool and i was like i'm gonna go check this out everyone else kind of went that's weird that you're gonna go to that <laughs> session it ended up being the best session i went to at the entire conference and like really changed my ideas about how i thought about writing and reading and storytelling and it turned out that it was like written the session was produced by some of the people who made like the Baba Duke and like movies and things like that. It was a fantastic session, mm. but so like, don't be afraid to go alone. Like find the thing that's worth it. Go to keynotes as well. Like make the time to go to the keynotes. Like a lot of people skip those and it's usually the best, like sometimes the best session of the day. Like I remember seeing Michael Bonner speak at ISTE in Philly last time. So 2019. And I still think about his talk to this day. Mm. He was such a good speaker or mm. like, Last year, seeing Cornell West speak, yeah. I mean, that was unreal to see him, even at a yeah. distance, to hear him speak at a conference. And so also just like practical stuff, bring food, like yeah. put a couple granola bars in your backpack because conference food is expensive. Yeah, plan your day. Yeah. And then also like wear comfortable shoes because you'll be doing a lot of walking. Well, and maybe we've shared a lot of ideas while you're there. Matt shared something earlier that I think is valid regardless of what conference you go to. So most of the conferences, you have the ability to favorite sessions, right? And included in the sessions, not just the title and the location, but a lot of times it gives you information about the presenter. We live in a day and an age where you can reach out to any of these presenters and connect beyond the presentation. Because sometimes you just want to continue the conversation. You saw something, they're doing something cool. If you reach out to them and just let them know, hey, I loved your session, love to communicate some more. Most people are very willing to do that. They're into it too, to increase their network and to learn from you. And so those things are huge for us. Like last year, I know I spent a lot of time in instructional coaching at ISTE because that's something I'm involved with here in Jordan School District. And so it was great to connect with people and kind of build those relationships and share those ideas even once I came back. And that was something that just kind of happens when you just kind of know where you're headed, what you're interested in, what, what your focus is, and then think about what are the tools, resources, and people that can help you learn more about those things. Absolutely. The other thing, just to kind of add on to that, is that these national conferences fill up sessions really, really easily. Like, I remember the first time I went to ISTE in Chicago, I really wanted to go to a session called Hipster Google. And I didn't know Eric, at the, Eric Kurtz at the time. But I was like, that sounds cool. And I got there and I showed up five minutes early and it was already full. So one of the things I've done since then is for every hour of the conference, I usually favorite like three or four sessions yeah. and I just put them on there and I'm, I, I, then I can go and like, if I can't get into a room or if it's too far to walk, I have a backup that's nearby and that's something that I'm still interested in, still engaged in. And then I think my, my best piece of like, anything for national conferences, whether it's it's to or anything else, is something that came from my buddy, Dan. He said once at a South by to me, if you can choose a conversation over a session, choose the conversation, being able to talk to somebody, meet with a national figure, just sit in a, have a co cup of coffee or a soda or something like that. Like having, even if it's somebody that, you know, being able to sit down and have that conversation outside of the norm is incredibly valuable. And so I've, I've always, I've tried to do that in the last couple of years where it's just, yeah, I'll go to a session. That's great. And I'm excited to do that. But if I can have a conversation with somebody and like sit down and talk to them and it takes me in a completely different direction. And I think that's such a valuable thing to do. Kara, I've got to say one thing about Matt's comment here, because he likes to, he's, he's used this phrase a couple of times about connecting with a national figure. That's because he is a national figure. So they, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, what is it? What do they say? Like gener moves towards itself, right? Yeah. Like, like attracts like. Yeah. So, I mean, like I get where Matt's coming from. <laughs> I, I, Jared, I think it's more that I don't have any shame at this point about talking to anyone. No. Like it came out of like when I used to interview bands and like I, I, the idea of like, they're just humans. Like 
if you can make a human connection, make a human connection. That's how I met most of the speakers that we invited to USET this year was just, hey, I like your work. And That's they said, cool. are you the Matt Winters from Utah? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there are several of us out there, apparently. Are you the teacher Winters? <laughs> I was going to say that, like, the big conference like SD can be very overwhelming. Sure. Right? Especially to a classroom teacher. I remember my first SD, I was a classroom teacher. I was able to go. What one was it? It was in Philadelphia 2019. Okay. You let me use a ticket that Yuan had or something like that. So, like, moves towards life. It was very generous. And so I went not knowing what I was getting into. And it definitely felt like drinking out of a fire hose that first time. Cause I was like, what? there's just all this stuff and da da da. But going to what Matt was saying about having a conversation, I think taking time to process is really important. Talking with your team or Reflecting on how you can use these ideas in your like situation is really important because otherwise it's just going to go like in one ear and out the other because you're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's great. But like if you don't place it where you want it to go, if you don't like tie it down, it can disappear just as easily. Right. And I also one of my tips to teachers is like think about how you're going to share what you've learned, because like you said, it's an investment. Right. Like you are putting time, money, effort into doing this conference. And sometimes like other people are putting time, money, and effort into you going to this conference, right? Like if an admin is paying for you to go. That's an important point. Yeah. Uh, So like, what are they going to get out of it sending you to this big thing? And it's like, oh, I can share in these ways or I can, you know, bring back these ideas because the goal is to make education better for everybody, not just you. Yeah. And, and when you come back and report about the conference, make sure that you're reporting on not just the experience, mm-hmm. but focus on some of those things that you learned. Cause I mean, it's natural for us all to share, like you went to New Orleans, you want to talk about the food and the culture and mm-hmm. the music and a lot of these things that were part of the experience, but people who didn't go, they don't really care that the jambalaya was awesome <laughs> in New Orleans. Right. Yeah. They want to know what were some of the sessions that things you pulled away. So documenting your experience, however you choose to do that, whether it's social media, Google keep, you know, just a word doc, whatever you do to document your experience, to share that with others. I think like you Kira, are really good at using curation tools like Wakelet to share a lot of what you're learning and growing from. Well, the cool thing for the rest of us on our team is that we look at your Wakelet. Like we didn't go to all the same sessions, but I've, I have those resources and I can communicate with to get more than just the link from the Wakelet. You're my resource, not just the link. I like that idea of you becoming a resource because you've had this experience. Yeah. We have about five, 10 minutes left in our session today. So I want, kind of want to switch gears. We've talked about ISTE, a big national conference. Let's focus on USETs. And we just had our big conference in March. Have you guys recovered? That's no. the first question. Has the, the you set fog passed in your brain? <laughs> no. I mean, you're in the throes of planning next year now. So. Yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> so it's never really left. But I'll say every year it's interesting because you go into you set if you're on the board and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things that you're worried about a little bit and things that you want to make sure happen. And I'll say, even though it's a, a tiring two days because it's, there's a lot going on. It's also an energizing couple of days because it's one of those times each year where you get to see the work that we put in for years come to fruition. When you see everyone come to USET and they're excited and they want to be there and they want to participate and learn, it only energizes. Like it's what charges your battery to do it again. Maybe for you guys a little later, because <laughs> you're a little too close to that. Right now. I, I, I agree. I, I, I'm still like kind of working through everything that happened and trying to like, well, you the know. first stage is grief. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it's just, it's, I don't know. There's a, there was a lot this year that like we, we worked on and there's a lot of changes. And so like, it's hard to know if those changes are going to, are going to be effective going forward if that makes sense 
And so I, I agree with you. Like, I think it's a fan, it's fantastic to see all those people together. Uh, I just want to make sure that when we continue that every, like the next, the next year continues that conversation. Yeah. And that's where my brain is at. And like, I, I sound super pessimistic, but my brain is like, I want to make sure that every year pulls in a bigger and bigger audience because we do have something special here in Utah. And my brain goes, I want to honor that specialness. And I want to honor the specialness of our community. It just takes a, a lot of effort to do that. And yeah. I want to make sure that everyone is involved and engaged in that process. Well, and I'll say like, Kara, you and Matt are, are a little further into the weeds on current conference than maybe somebody like me. Yeah. But this is where, like, this is one of the benefits of being part of this for a while is like the year that I was president, we had 900 people show up. That was only 10 years ago. That felt like a big deal. Like it, we were always trying to get to that thousand mark. And think of it from the inception of set to the year that I was there, that was around almost 30 years. And we were going from a conference of a couple hundred up to a thousand, right? We, it took that long to get there. And then in the last decade, we've doubled. So that speaks to the climate that we're in, but it also speaks to the work that we're in. And so that's one of those, when you, when you can see that after being part of it for a while, incredibly gratifying to see where we're headed. So while I know we're all in the weeds trying to make sure that we honor that, there's a legacy that's, that you can see. You can go back on the yeah the institutional knowledge that the yeah. board has, but also like you mentioned, past presidents and and to see sometimes it can be hard to see like the good moments just because you are in the weeds like we talked about. But being able to take a step back and seeing where you've come from is really helpful to see where you want to go in the future. I just remember us having conversations for a long time about what would we do if there was a catastrophe and we couldn't hold like just an act of God. Mm, that sounds familiar, right? Yeah. And we thought financially, would we be able to support the organization if we just didn't have people show up? And I'm not going to say we ever truly had a year like that, but 2020, 2021, excuse me. Yeah, was that Because we, we, we made it just under the wire. Mm -hmm. But in 2021, we had a year where there really wasn't a USAC conference the same way. Yeah. And you can see that that didn't do anything to really stop the momentum once we could come back in person. Like the momentum grew. Maybe, maybe it's part of that, you know, people realized that they needed that. Well, and it's, it's still continuing to grow. I mean, next year we'll be at the Salt Palace, which we're aiming for 2,500 to 3,000 people, which would in essence give us a third more people than we had this last year. And so the, the goal is not necessarily even just getting more people, it's to give more better quality as we go yeah. forward and, and, make sure that all voices are recognized and that there's a good community there. And there's a lot of moving parts to that. And that's why I get a little, I think if you're hearing me be hesitant mm -hmm. and apprehensive, it's because there's a lot that goes into making sure that a conference is structured the right ways, Yeah, especially now in the 21st century. And that's, I think what I'm trying to honor, what we're as a board trying to honor and trying to give as best of, community as we can and that's that's a big that's a tall order yeah and what we've talked about the size of utah so there's gonna be a limit at some point to the number of participants no, there we won't. Can, <laughs> from Unlimited. within our like we might grow beyond our borders but the, just getting people to get the sub to have the day yeah. off like there's just there's finite limits to some of this but that's what matt's kind of talking about is that maybe we can't get a hundred more people but we can improve the experience for the 2000 that are there. Right. And those are things that that's constantly on our minds is to make the learning experience of the two days of conference and the 360 plus days, not conference yeah. that are more meaningful to teachers across Utah. To end our session today, what were some standout moments for you at the, at this USAC conference, this most recent one? It can be, it doesn't have to be like a session per se, but like moments of connection that you had or some cool things. You're like, yeah, that was a cool moment. I can share a couple, you know, it's an interesting thing. I think one thing that we did differently this year, and this was, I think Matt's kind of brainstorm idea is we gave more people an opportunity to share their story to a larger audience. So we've done like shorter kind of keynote style things where 
we've called them ignite sessions in the past and all of that. But Matt's idea to bring in a variety of people from different parts of the educational space and give them voice for people to hear, that's huge for us. Because that's that's where I think we're headed, is as an organization, it's great to bring in national voices. I think it's even better when we amplify local voices and share the great things that we're doing with each other. Because you can bring in somebody from, let's say, New York or somebody from California, and you'll get a group of teachers that say, well, that can't work here. Mm -hmm. But when you get somebody from the school next door to yours and they're making it work here, very inspiring for our for our group. So that would be one big thing that I would share. Matt, what's one of yours? It, it's connected to that, like seeing people that I worked with and coached to give them a platform at the large level. That that was big for me, like seeing Davina self yeah. off from Utah State Board of Education get up there and speak in front of 1,500, 2,000 people was amazing or just any of them. One of my favorites was Rob Daniels. His humor slash just the way he presents his ideas about leadership in schools was incredible. But so that was, a, that was a big part of it. And just kind of wandering around and talking to people because I didn't get to get to go to, I think, a single session the yeah. entire time. That's one thing I've noticed being on the board is that I don't yeah. have to go to sessions. Yeah. Or present sessions. It's what you can that. give, not what you can get some type of uh, so yeah, that was, that's a bummer, but like walking by, like seeing Corey Henwood session full yeah. about design thinking for portrait of a graduate and like air high-fiving him from the back of the room was incredible. Or seeing, you know, a large group of people show up for a lunchtime session with Eric Kurtz about artificial intelligence. Like that was big. Hey, I got to watch 20 minutes of that and I was very lucky and I felt very happy to see that. Or, you know, just seeing, you know, I had a great conversation for like 15 minutes with a group of like 10 or 15 teachers or pre-service pre teachers from BYU-Idaho and like gave them tips on what to do at the conference. And they were like, this is incredible. And I just hearing the conversations and talking to people and seeing what was going on, that's good. I, I think as a conference, at least me as a conference leader, as the president, like there's a lot of second guessing and trying to figure out what's best and still second guessing in post. But I think there was a lot of value this year, and I think a lot of people really got a lot out of it, even though Eric Kurtz was in the wrong room. <laughs> so, that was a, the biggest complaint for those who are yeah. wondering what the... He'll be in a bigger room when we invite him back next time. How about you, Kara? What's something that stood out to you? One of my favorite things at the conference was seeing all my, my educational worlds come together. So being at a conference that you said, you know, helped set up, so I get to see my at peeps shine. And then seeing the Utah Teacher Fellows were a strand at the conference, so all of their sessions and seeing all of those teacher leaders shine in front of the their audiences and share the things that they're passionate about. And we actually had the CEO of Hope Street Group come out to see the conference and to see what our fellows are doing in Utah. Like, that's huge, right? Yeah. And then also seeing like the coaches and teachers from Jordan District there, like and Mass in their blue shirt. It's like that was also a really cool moment. And so just to see these like spheres that I operate in in different places at different times throughout Utah, but then have them all come together at the USA conference was a really sweet moment for me. So even though I was running around like a chicken with the head cut off, it was still really cool to see like hey, hey, you know, like yeah. seeing all that come together was really cool. Well, and I would say Hope Street Group is a good example of what we're talking about here. Like that's a, I mean, I know it's a national organization, but the Utah Teacher Fellows specifically has been kind of what, six, seven years? Yeah, six years, yeah. Right, somewhere in that range. To see them come from just being a group that would take a photo app of themselves mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe go to lunch together during the two days of our conference to running a strand at our conference to build that next generation of advocates for educators. Like that's only going to grow. And that's some of what we're, I know Matt's big into this and you're big into this. And I'm trying to develop this too, is this, this concept of how do we bring these groups together to amplify all of our voices. And that a lot of those, the Hope Sugar Broom was never empty. And a lot of those teachers had not been to a conference before. Mm -hmm. That was their first time and they were presenting at it, which, I think it was super powerful. And so shout out to the, the entire board, USEP board. I mean, we can't do it without them. And anybody in the community who helped out, anybody who spoke, our national guests, it, it's, it takes a community. And 
I, I just, I got lucky this year to be able to platform a bunch of people that I really believe in. And I think a lot of people in our community believe in it just, you know, making sure to continue that legacy, that sort of thing. Well, I'm excited to see what what happens, what comes next year and what we can do for Utah education. So I think that's it for today. I feel like we could go on indefinitely, but for the sake of our listeners, I'm going to end our session. But thank you for being here. I appreciate you guys being on the podcast again. Absolutely. No problem. Yeah, happy to be here. joining us today to discuss the future technology trends in education and how educators can make the most of conferences like ISTE or USET to build strong networks of support and inspiration. At the end of each episode this year, we have spotlighted something in Utah that connects to the topic at hand. And for this episode, we would like to spotlight upcoming conference, the Meaningful Inclusion Conference, happening in June. This is hosted by USBE. And this conference is designed for everyone, school administrators, general and special ed teachers, instructional coaches, related service providers, educator preparation program staff, and student teachers. So everyone is encouraged to attend because there's really going to be something for everybody. This free one and a half day conference will feature engaging keynote speakers, thought provoking panel discussions and expert led sessions on best practices for inclusion, along with tools and resources for implementation. It will be held at five different locations around the state. So everybody has a chance to attend. At the beginning of June, in June 6th and 7th, it's gonna be held in Sandy. June 15th and 16th, it will be in Provo. June 20th, the 21st, it'll be in Richfield. June 26th and 27th, it'll be in Layton. And then the last session will be June 29th and 30th in Cedar City. So register today and I hope to see you there. The link will be in the show notes, episode show notes. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Kira Bettis, and I will see you next time, probably next year. So thank you for listening and we'll see you later.